0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Okay, we're here. I'll show you. Dude, this is a
1: national ballpark museum. They've got displays about all the great old ballparks, not old ballplayers.
0: And I do mean old. Hey, that's not what I heard. I heard they got a display that features the first homegrown Colorado Rocky. That would be me. Okay, look, there's Bruce Hellerstein over there. He owns the place. Let's go ask him. Hey, that's fine with me. Hi, Bruce. How's it going? Manny, Mark. Good to see you guys, come on in. Hey Bruce, Manny here doesn't believe me. He doesn't believe you've got a Mark Knudsen display
2: here at your museum. Well, he's sorta right. Right over here we've got a display all about the Denver Zephyrs. I'm pretty sure Mark's Zephyrs baseball card is in there somewhere.
1: Oh, his minor league card, I gotcha. Hey, it's something, right? If you say so.
0: So,
2: you two just come down here to see the displays? Actually, we're getting ready to do our podcast. Oh wow, that's great. I had no idea they let you back on the air, Mark. What's your show called? It's the Park
0: Adjusted Rockies Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Mark Knudsen and Manny Randhawa. Give me a Knudsen. Knudsen! Thank you. Museum or cathedral? Is this the year Todd Helton finally gets in? What about the prospects for Matt Holliday? It's Hall of Fame voting season, and we touch on these hot-button issues and more with the one and only Jason Stark from The Athletic. Regardless of your stance, Jason offers logic that's hard to argue with, No better time than right now to get those arguments started. We'll do so right after this on the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. Stay with us. We're back with Bruce Hellerstein, the owner of the National Ballpark Museum across from Coors Field. Bruce, a lot of baseball fans probably haven't been there. Tell them what they're missing.
2: Well, Mark, uh, we're the only museum that is totally dedicated to the old classic ballparks, as well as the history of uh, baseball here in Denver and Colorado. We pride ourselves on being the home of those activities, so people can uh, appreciate them. And with respect to the old ballparks, uh, I look at it, not only are they classic and built location, they are American treasures. How can one Think of America without mentioning the Fenways and the Wrigleys, for example. Tell them what they got to do to come see you. Well, we're open regular hours from 11 to 5 daily, with the exception of Sunday. And when we have Rocky home games, we will expand those hours as needed.
0: you got to come see it, Bruce. It's a wonderful place, the National Ballpark Museum on Blake Street, just across from Coors Field. Bruce, thanks. My pleasure, Mark. Maybe it's that time of the year. Everybody's favorite time of the year. Hall of Fame, Baseball Hall of Fame voting. Time of the year, ballots are starting to be distributed, uh, some are being publicized, and no better person, obviously, to talk to you about that than our guest. Welcome back to the one and only Jason Stark, was we with us last year to talk about this topic. Jason, as we saw about the earth, it's a topic that never, you know, never stops giving, right? It's <laughs> always going to be there. <laughs> it's and, great,
2: it's one, it's one of the all time lightning rod topics, Mark. Yeah,
0: yeah. exactly. Um,
2: we okay, okay, so got something to
0: talk,
1: talk about up. in December, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I, I'm with, I'm early totally December. with you. You know, uh, the, the, the most page views I had on any column in 2023, the whole year, all the stuff I wrote about was which active players are headed for the hall of fame. I kind of ranked them in tears and it generated so much conversation that wasn't in December. (laughs) That was in August. Amazing. Yeah.
1: Well, Jason, Jason certainly needs no introduction, but, uh, for the uninitiated, uh, the great Jason Stark, the athletic MLB network, uh, formerly of ESPN, BBWA lifetime achievement. We can go on, but thank you again for, (laughs) for joining us, Jason. We really appreciate it. I think Mark was talking about uh, off air. We want to kind of talk about the, you know, just a little bit of an overview. I think most, most of our listeners are familiar with the controversy and the, the various questions that have uh, come up regarding uh, the way we do things with hall of fame, but uh, just to get it right out of, the, out of the way at the top of the, um, top of the show here, cathedral versus uh, museum. Uh, you know, you, I think are the one that uh, you coined that
0: phrase. I've coined that, that phrase uh, <laughs>
1: for popular culture. Uh, and I think, you know, and I think it may have been right after that year that there were, there were no, there was no one elected Um back in, <laughs> yes. I don't know if that was 13 or what it was, but just give us quick, quick thoughts on, on that. I know it's not an easy thing to, put into quick thoughts, but I've always been <laughs> of the mind myself that, Hey, if it's a museum, you got to tell the story of the game and, and there's, yep. there's good and there's bad. And you got to tell all of it.
2: Yeah. Well, I, you know, we're, we're approaching what two decades now of trying to figure out what to do with the PED generation. And, yeah. and yep. that, you know, as somebody who's voted throughout that whole time, here's what I can tell you. It's impossible to know who did what or what they yep. did. Or how it affected their careers it's impossible i mean our conversation about this topic it seems to revolve around the same 10 or 12 players over and over and over again when we know that hundreds of players were doing something experimenting with something had different reasons for whatever they did and my point about the cathedral is we have a choice we can have a hall of fame or try to figure out some way to have a hall of purity and the whole of purity thing is not working out zero people (laughs) (laughs) right i don't know i don't know how many players we've elected who use some sort of ped but it's more than zero you know we're just not good at deciding who did what and being the morality police so my feeling is it's pretty weird to have a Hall of Fame that doesn't have the guy who hit more home runs than anybody who ever lived. That doesn't have the guy who won more Cy Youngs than anyone who ever lived. It doesn't have the guy who broke Roger Maris's record. It doesn't have the all-time hits leader. Yeah, slightly yeah. different debate. You know, what kind of Hall of Fame is that? Um, a history museum tells the story of a period of history, correct? As accurately yep, and completely <clears throat> as it can. And I think it's time to figure out some way for the hall of fame to do that.
0: Yeah. It, that's that's great. a great point. We've, we've talked about this before. We're all in unison on this one, but um, the issue is convincing the voting block. And you have a lot of old school guys who are just never going to dug their heels in. They're never going to change on this topic. No. Is it going to take for the voting block to ro- roll over a little bit, and the younger generation, maybe the PED generation writers to roll over and say, listen, he's, that's exactly the way we should be looking at this you walk into cooperstown I, the only time i've been there I was shocked how few plaques there are i mean it's this tiny little minuscule representation of all everybody that was impactful in baseball not just guys who played but guys who were impactful guys who as you put it generational guys who you can't tell the story of the of the game without including them in a particular generation you know 340 up to 350 now something like that that's ridiculous we, I think we can, it's a, it's
1: just over one percent if you want to yeah, put it, it into ridiculous. a percent yeah,
0: I mean, I go back to guys, and you talk about Hall of Purity. Why isn't Dale Murphy in the Hall of Fame? Why isn't Dale Murphy, who was the best player in the the 1980s, why isn't he in the Hall of Fame? Jason, you covered him with the Phillies. Uh, And and there's a guy who checks (laughs) all those boxes, right? Yeah,
2: I voted for him for many years. For some reason, it feels like most voters look at that character and integrity clause, Mark, and decide, you know what? I'm going to use it to penalize guys, I think. Cheated or yeah. were bad dudes, but nobody ever seems to award bonus points. <laughs> for, a good point. Great yeah. people,
1: right? Uh, it only goes one way. That's one way. Yeah, actually... yeah.
2: I, you know, I, I just wrote a a column about David Wright, and my fear is that he might be one and done on this ballot. It's his first year, and I, I didn't get into that with him, but there's another guy. He's a ten on a scale of ten in yep. character and integrity points. It feels like that should be worth something to me. Well.
1: You know, I, and Jason, let's go to that. Let's go to right a little bit. And let's go to because a lot of it, I think, is the a lot of the PED guys have now um, fallen off the ballot. The most the, the lightning rod guys. Right. So they'll be now uh, at the mercy of, of future committees, you know, as far as whether they're, they're going to get in. But the Hall of Fame voting process remains. Uh, in my humble opinion, antiquated. I think we're we're still, yeah. you know, and I think you put it really well. We're in the ninth decade of this kind of trying to figure out, finagle with our, our votes and figure out how to make sure certain guys don't fall off the ballot after, uh, who deserve more than, than any, just a year on the ballot. So a couple of things. One, do you favor an up and down, up or down vote, number one. Number two, instead of having this first ballot, second ballot, have you on there for 10 years. Uh, number two, why limit it to 10? Are they afraid we're going to be too liberal on on electing guys? And then number three, how do we get some of these guys like uh, I think the poster boy for this one is for me is Kenny Lofton, you know, guys who fell off the ballot and got, I think, like three or four percent of the vote. And it's just like it's a a travesty. So how do we get do they need to just do a a review, like a committee to review some of these overlooked guys and get them all back on there? Give us a little uh, insight into how we might be able to rectify some of this.
2: Manny, I agree with you and everything you just said. I, I don't know what the answer is because uh, you know this, the baseball writers have asked the hall of fame to change the process. You know, they've asked for a little more leeway on being able to vote for only 10. You know, I, I think what you just described is the way we should do this. We should, up or down. Yes or no. Wasn't or wasn't he? Uh, you know, I try to, my whole career as a voter, I've tried to do the work, on every single player on the ballot, and then ask myself the question, was this guy a Hall of Famer or not? And if I thought the answer was yes, my goal was to vote for him every single year, you know, not decide, you know, I'd like to see Ken Griffey Jr. go in alone this year, so I'm not going to vote for all those guys I voted for last year. It's just petty, right? Yeah, I I just don't want to play those games. But between the 5% rule and the rule of 10... The Hall has made it very difficult to vote that way when the ballot gets crowded. And it's again, it's crowded again this year, considering the influx of really interesting first year candidates. The Hall has rejected every single one of our requests to tweak the process. Uh, They tweak it in ways that they think works for them to help keep people out. They would rather not stand on that podium, you know, in front of the other hall of famers who might be aggravated that they're there. So that's clearly been a goal of theirs. Uh, I get it. I understand why they think that way, but to to dump the entire challenge of that into our hands is not fair. I don't like it. And we, I, you know, I made a list in my David Wright piece of all the awful one and dones just from the last decade Kenny Lofton was one of the worst Jim Edmonds was one of the worst there's a long list well let me and, let me read
1: that list because it's yeah, a, sure. it's a, it's it's quite a it, it's quite a it, 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 there's some luminaries on this list i mean uh, Lofton and Wells i'm going to go for, in order from uh, from oldest to uh, to fall off the ballot to now Lofton Wells Kenny Rogers Luis Gonzalez Carlos Delgado man Carlos Delgado oh. getting one and done that's Jim Edmonds, too, Uh, Jorge Posada, Johan Santana, Johnny Damon, Lance Berkman, Roy Oswald, Mark Deshera. These guys, uh, again, you know, it's kind of like, you know, if you were to, say, remove the 10-man limit and do an up or down, at least you could get a fair percentage on how many voters think that this guy's a Hall of Famer, right? You could get a one-time look, a one-time snapshot. And so if a guy like Deshera gets, you know, 53%, at least he can go home saying, I got 53%. And that's not that's not nothing. It's better than four percent because of the fact that there was a ten man limit, and and it's just kind of insulting almost to these guys.
2: Yeah, you know, we've seen in recent years, Larry Walker, great example that ha- that perspective is valuable. You know, and having right. time to put a player's career into historical perspective yeah, is something that helps all of us as voters and just help the players. It helps us really sift through all the information we could potentially use to evaluate whether a player was or was not a Hall of Famer in his time. And because of the rule of 10, because of the 5% rule, you know, those names that you just ticked off, if we were in an up or down, yes or no, was he or wasn't he kind of voting system, at least half of them probably would still be on the ballot if, they, if not elected. You know, like, it pains me that we didn't get a chance to debate Johan Santana.
0: That's yeah,
2: terrible. Exactly. That's awful. And now we have Andrew Jones kind of inching toward election and Jim Edmonds was one and done. You know, I'm not saying that Jim Edmonds is an automatic Hall of Famer, but if you compare Jim Edmonds to <laughs> Andrew Jones, they're not that different. Their careers are not yeah. that different. Indeed. And one might wind up in Cooperstown. The other one was never even a factor in the voting. And so it's changed the way I vote. I, I just told you how I would prefer to vote. But when I get through the process and I look at my list of was he or wasn't he, and there are 12 names on it or 13 names on it, even if there's 10 names on it, plus a player or two who I'm worried might drop off the ballot, I do what I don't want to do. I play the ballot management. Exactly. Game.
1: And, and that's now I not have not decide.
2: No, I'd rather just vote for, was this guy a Hall of Famer? But... It, if I, if I look at, say, Andy Pettit and think, well, he's not going to drop off the ballot, but he's got no chance to get elected this year, i better devote that 10th line on the ballot to say David Wright and make sure he gets 5% so he lives to fight another year and we can talk about him. Right. I'm going to do that now. I don't want to do that, but the hall is forcing us to vote that way.
1: It's also why people, I always, I always, and then Mark, please jump in here, but I, I just want to say one more thing. the People who are shocked that guys like Ken Griffey Jr. don't get unanimous a uh, uh, unanimous vote, things like that. Well, it's because look at the other guys on that list. You got ten. You got ten. chance, You know Griffey's going to get in, so you're not worried about him. So you're going to go and check mark somebody else, so that and, and then and then it's like, oh, who didn't vote for Ken Griffey? Jr.? Well, maybe some of the guys who are playing the ballot, you know, the game that you just talked about. So,
2: yeah, I, th- I mean, we don't know because the Hall also rejected our request to. Reveal our ballots. Yeah, <laughs> They right. don't want that either. So, you know, the, those three voters who don't vote for Ken Griffey, they don't have to explain it or identify themselves. The one voter who didn't vote for Derek Jeter didn't have to explain it, didn't have to identify him or herself. It's very possible that what you just suggested is why they voted that way. We don't mm-hmm. know. Just yeah. one more flaw in the process.
0: You say we. I know you're a card-carrying member and esteemed member of the Baseball Writers Association. Wonder if there could be changes to that voting block? How that voting block is made up. I mean, back when you started, you weren't on TV. You were just a baseball writer. Yeah. And Now everybody's yeah. morphed into into doing multiple media stuff. You know, all these everybody's on TV or or doing something different, podcasting, whatever. <laughs> including a guy, you know, for the life of me, Ben Scully never had a Hall of Fame vote. I mean, there are a lot of guys who are very knowledgeable who might make might make this system, this thing work better. Because let's face it, and you know this, there there are a lot of members of your association who don't even cover baseball anymore columnists and people who aren't on the beat anymore and just don't know what they're voting for. They, they see a ballot and they, they don't have the education you have because you're they're not entrenched in baseball. Is there a way that the baseball writers association could change its membership requirements? And, 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 you know, some of the guys who are in the studio at MMB network and ESPN who are baseball day in and day out
2: should have a vote. You know, Mark, we, we actually did, um, pared down the voting ranks, uh, within the last decade, you know and you now have to actively cover baseball i mean we could we we all you know our chapters define it differently but theoretically you have to actively cover baseball and if you've if you haven't done that in 10 years you're off and so we you know if you look at how many people were voting 10 years ago versus how many are voting now it was getting close to 600 we're now around 400 i think there were under 400 last year so we've done some of that but what you described still exists and your point is a good one. I, you know, it's a it's a baseball writers association thing, and I understand the reasoning to protect that honor, which does mean something to me. I know as as sure. a member, but i will just give you another example. Um, I do a lot of TV with Brian Kenny. Brian yes. Kenny, very and, good point. Like you can you can argue yeah. with Brian Kenny's thoughts about a lot of stuff. Here's one nobody can argue with. Nobody cares about the hall of fame in, in my world as much as he does. Yeah. Uh, he he yeah. he, makes and he really does his homework
1: and maybe more than anybody right. else. You know, I mean, he's really he great at it.
2: He does not get a vote and he thinks about it. He's influenced the way I vote um, yeah. because he thinks about it. So 24, 7, 365 <laughs> it's hall of fame is always on his mind. He, He makes several pilgrimages to the hall every year. And we've done a lot of TV together inside the hall of fame. It's, it's fantastic. It's so invigorating on many levels. And why does somebody like that not have a vote? I'd be fine with expanding it in some way, but again, it's another thing. (laughs) It's fine for us to kick it around. I don't know that it's ever going to happen.
1: Yeah. It just seems logistically tough just because then I just feel like there might be outcries on how there's just no maybe no perfect way to do it in, in terms of like right. choosing who gets to vote and, and, and right. all that. But no yeah, I mean, you could, to-
2: like Vince Scully is a, is a great name. He, obviously, the integrity of Vince Scully would not be questioned by anybody who knows anything. But there are people who would say, well, Vin has been a Dodger his whole life. Yeah. He's obviously going to vote for every Dodger on the ballot. I don't know if that's true. You know, and team broadcasters are not going to automatically vote for every player from their team who appears on the ballot. Like, M- Mark, we've you know, you and I have talked about Todd Helton and Larry yeah. Walker and what it means to be a great player in, in Denver at yeah. Altitude. Be, you know, because of your presence in that, you know, in the market, <clears throat> you understand all the nuances of that, that so many voters just dismiss. We're getting there. But I'm just saying there's value to having local broadcasters vote. They understand that. Speaking of Todd,
1: uh, speaking of Todd Helton, I think uh, since we're there, uh, (laughs) I mean, you know, you made a really good point in one of your in in your I think your first uh, article that came out after uh, right after the uh, ballot was officially announced this year. This Todd's going to get in. But this this is significant because this isn't like with Walker, where you have. You have samples from other, you know, teams where he played with the, the Expos and the Cardinals. And in, in this case, it's a guy who spent his entire career at Coors Field. For him to get in, that that's a milestone, I think, um, in terms of uh, obviously for the local fans and for the Rockies organization, but also for the the voters to 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 put in a guy, especially the as rapidly as he's increased, to put in a guy who's spent his entire career at Coors. That that's saying something more, I think, than even with Walker.
2: Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, you know, Larry Walker helped tear down that wall that, that kept everybody who ever set foot in Coorsfield from making it to Cooperstown. And now Todd Helton, you'll, you'll see the way he is roaring up the list. What well, 2020, he was under 30%. And now he's over 70% and 11 votes away and likely to get elected. And so Larry Walker did pave the way. But if Todd Helton gets elected, it's going to tell us something that we've discussed on this podcast, which yeah. is we we have great information now. We have great yeah. tools to evaluate what it means to have played your career at Coors Field. It's it you know it's easy to do that with Todd Helton. I've done it a million different ways. I you know if you do OPS plus, which account which accounts for ballpark, which accounts for error, everybody with two thousand games at first base. And Todd Helton's OPS Plus is a Hall of Famer or about to be a Hall of Famer, if you count Albert Pujols. Uh, So there's that. There's also a great tool on Baseball Reference called the Ballpark Neutralizer, the Stats Neutralizer, so that you can Mm. plug a guy's career into any home park in any year. And so I've been playing around with this now for a few years. Last year, I plugged Todd Helton's career into Citizens Bank Park, and Great American Ballpark, two other really good hitters' parks. Yes, from two thousand seven, which was when Todd Helton was in his prime, right? So, series, yeah. I've, here's what I found: that playing at Coors over the course of his career, you know, you know what it meant? How about four extra hits a year, and one extra homer almost a year? That's and a huge been, stat, right there. Right, <laughs> we've been keeping this guy out of the Hall of Fame based on That's that. Come that's on. a mini
1: stat right there.
0: That's yeah. incredible.
2: And we can't that, even that, measure. All right. What does it mean that you play half your games in a park where a pitcher throws a pitch and it behaves one way? And then you play the other half facing the same pitchers, throwing the same pitches and they behave a different way. Can't even measure that part. But
0: that's a great we've got point. lot.
2: We got lots of info. Well,
1: so we're, are we going to penalize the guy from Philly, you know, like from Philadelphia or Cincinnati for when, he, when they're, or are we going to penalize Joey Votto right. when he comes up? You know, yeah, just... I
2: know. Exactly. I You know, you could do just Todd Helton's road OPS, which if I remember right off the top of my head is 855. Uh, Ken Griffey was 860. Um, Reggie Jackson was 860. There are a bunch of Hall of Famers in that neighborhood and well below that neighborhood. And I never once heard anybody discuss home park advantage for any of those players. Yes, Todd Elton. What what are we doing?
0: Yeah, yeah the same thing. Home, home park advantage for Dodger pitchers. And I of mean, flip it around. I mean, the, the Dod, Dodgers Dodgers, a notoriously great hitting hitters park. So yeah, it, it's hard to it's hard to understand. But You guys, I got my fingers crossed. I'm not sure he's going to get in this year. 11, Eleven more votes would be great. It'd be great if it happened this year. He belongs in there without question. He was also a gifted defensive player that people don't understand that they didn't see him play. But let's let's talk about the other former Rocky on the ballot. Let's talk about Matt Holiday for a minute. Obviously he played other places too. played with the Cardinals briefly with the A's. Where does Matt Holiday stand in his first year on the ballot, Jason?
2: Yeah, I see, I'm he's another guy I'm afraid is going to get crowded out. Here's what I think, Mark. I, I I see voters gravitating away from the the magic counting numbers that used to determine whether right. you were in the Hall of Fame or not. You know, good you can't, you can't vote that way anymore. The game's right. changed. Right. Uh and what I think we're now looking at are big peaks, winning, and, you know, the kind of stats that got Larry Walker in, which were not county numbers. It was slugging the numbers that compare him to his, the rest of his generation, the rate stats. Um, they're very useful. That I mean, that's a way yes. to vote now that we we just didn't even think about once upon a time. And if you vote that way, Matt Holiday's career looks awfully good but you know his counting numbers are short um and that's going to take its toll in a on a in a crowded ballot that i would worry about him as another one and done candidate that will regret
1: what what is the what is the um in your opinion the balance you have to strike between length of career length of Uh, consistency and performance over a long period of time versus peak because david wright falls into this category where his entire career was a peak right almost and it's almost like don mattingly is kind of your example here too right where he had just an unbelievable peak but fell off and he taught you know todd helton you could argue had the same kind of thing where he had back problems that kind of fell off after uh that six year just unbelievable peak where do you think we should land on that because it seems to me that momentum is building for guys like Mattingly guys, you know, through the, through the veterans committees, guys like Mattingly and others who had just incredible peaks and meant so much to the game, a certain era look,
0: look, look, to get in. We, we can, we have, we have embodiment of those two, two. Uh, we have Don Sutton on one hand, we have Sandy Koufax on the other, right? Yeah. We have mm-hmm. the longevity guy, Don yeah, Sutton.
1: Kofax is kind of the pitcher. Uh,
2: right. So we have examples of both more quintessential example. That's exactly right. The, look, th- These are great questions. I think we're still trying to figure out that answer. Um people ask me, what do you look at when you, you know when you're trying to decide who's a Hall of Famer? And my answer is I look at everything. I value the above everything. absolutely. I weigh it all. And I, I understand that all right, let's take your example, Mark. I understand Don Sutton's career was way different than Sandy Koufax's career. Yep. Who was the who was the more dominant pitcher? The guy that the hitter feared more? Obviously, it was Sandy Koufax, but for how long? Four years, really? Five years. Yep. Okay, six years if you're really stretching it, that's it. <laughs> All right. Yep. But Don Sutton, at the time he retired, was, if I remember this right, at the time, the winningest right handed pitcher of the live ball era. Okay. So this is after like the Walter Johnson's of the world. And that matters. Like being really Absolutely. good for a really long period of time is important. There's so much value in volume there's there's so much value in availability Yep. posting year after year after year day after day that's a that's the nature of baseball and you know i think we've gone from valuing that too much to not valuing it enough mm. all i know is we need to value it it matters yeah. Yeah. all of it counts
1: in, in, in all of those areas right yep. um <clears throat> this year who do you think it's in i mean I, I i think there are three guys but who do you think
2: okay adrian beltray seems easy i you know i want to wrote my first hall of fame column after the ballot came out. I, I asked if he's got a chance to be unanimous. No position player ever has been. Uh, What's the reason not to vote for him? I don't see one. Okay. So he's going to get in. The question is just how high the number is going to be.
1: Incredible all around Um, player that I think maybe he was even a little underrated for a long time.
2: No doubt. No doubt. Uh, and, And the volume mattered for him. You know, his right. his first 10 years versus David Wright's first 10 years, you'd have taken David Wright's career probably. Yep. But then he he did it again for another 10. I just
1: remember when he was coming up like in the late 90s with the Dodgers and it was like, this dude is the next big thing, you know, and, and people saw it. It just took a little time to come out.
2: Yep. Yeah, that's exactly right. Okay. okay. So then the, you know, Todd Helton, 11 votes away. Last 50 years, every position player who was that close – and then return to the ballot has gotten elected the next year. You would think he will find those eleven votes. So then, okay, you think three? I'm not sure if you think the third is Billy Wagner. I'm Billy thinking Wagner
1: because just because that last year bump that that a lot of guys kind of would re- maybe you know regret not putting him down for that last year when he's up to I think it was up to oh, sixty. He's got, he's got
2: eight two. Or? He's got this year and next.
1: Oh, he's got next year and next. Okay, I was wrong he, about he that. he does so, okay. and
2: you know he could like he's in that neighborhood that Trevor Hoffman was in when trevor did not quite get elected the next year so that wouldn't shock me if he still comes up a little short there i you know i still talk to fellow voters uh when we kick this stuff around and think billy wagner just wasn't good enough in october hmm. uh, and as a closer that that determines whether or not they vote for him i've actually broken it down he, he only blew three saves in like was they're pretty weird
0: is that argument to keep Clayton Fershaw? all fit? come on. I mean, that, that's... Right. The closer thing,
1: you know, yeah, maybe, look... maybe it's almost like, you know, also I think Wagner's like, well, he didn't have enough volume, some people think. The older, old school voters, uh, I think uh,
2: some people think that. It's 16 seasons, and I understand that he didn't pitch as much as some closers and all starters. I, I get that. All I know is left-handed pitchers in the live ball era. He's number one in whip. He's number one in ERA. He's number one in opponent average. He's number one in strikeout rate. It's amazing. What, is he's number one. Like I yeah. when I vote, I'm, i I always ask myself, was this guy a historically significant player? If great you're number player. one in all that stuff, what are we yep. debating? That he counts
0: <laughs> as yeah, historically right? significant. But that's uh, a great way to put it too, because that that answers that, that goes against or goes to the cathedral versus museum situation. Historically impactful, yeah. That's that's well put.
2: Right. Okay. So then Mauer, you guys think, no, um, I, I think Maurer's
1: going to get in eventually. I don't know if he'll get in on that first one, but
2: yeah, it, you know, his career is complicated because he was a catcher for 10 seasons. And then because of the concussions, he had finished his career at first base. He wasn't the same player. And if you're evaluating him as a first baseman, he's a pretty average player if you're evaluating his 10 seasons as a catcher, he's an obvious Hall of Famer, three-time batting champ. How many of them at catcher? None, just him, plus an MVP, gold glove winner. There's nothing about Joe Maurer's 10 seasons as as a catcher that say, this is even a debate. The problem is what do you do about the rest of his career? And so I've used the analogy of Ernie Banks. Uh, About a decade or so ago, I wrote a book on the most overrated and underrated players in history and Ernie Banks taught me a lesson because I got him into two chapters most underrated shortstops of all time but most overrated first baseman of all time and we did this on MLB Network last week we broke down Maurer as a catcher Banks as a shortstop and then the rest of Banks's career as a first baseman and the rest of Maurer's career as a first baseman and when they played a defensive position primarily they were um, they were historically great hitters. When they moved to that offensive position, uh, they were diminished players. Their numbers weren't the same. And it, to me, Ernie Banks provides a roadmap for us into how to handle Joe Mauer. What happened when Ernie Banks appeared in the Hall of Fame ballot? Got elected on the first ballot. See, I didn't uh, realize
1: that until I read, the, I read, your, read yeah. your article because I didn't realize he got in on the first ballot. That's interesting.
2: Yeah, so I I think that is the most analogous career that I could find. Uh, My friend Joel Sherman has compared him to Mattingly. I think Maurer's peak was longer, and certainly he wound up and for a catcher
1: too, right? Because Mattingly was a full-time first baseman.
2: Correct. Um, So I I don't think it's quite the same, but you're going to see a lot of comps for for Joe Maurer, and it's going to. I I think it takes us two, three years to sort this out. I'm with you, Manny. I think he'll get elected.
0: You know, some one thing to say about catchers, guys, and I tell the kids I coach, catching's the most difficult position in sports, period, across the board. That's another one of these intangible things that doesn't get taken into consideration. The wear and tear. You've got to be a psychiatrist. Those guys on the mound are goofy. <laughs> you have gotta go out there and be a coach on the field of psychiatrist. Are you, you are you
1: guys. speaking from personal experience?
0: <laughs> I am speaking from personal experience. You've got you've got to <laughs> throw guys out. You've got to hit, you've got to I mean all the things they've got to do. Um they don't have to block the plate anymore, but these guys had to. Come on. That, there's got to be some credit given to catchers for those types of things as well. That aren't statistics. Yeah.
2: That's a great point, Mark. Here's, here's one more. People love to use wins above replacement as a guide. Now I I don't blame them. I do. It's I, it I, you know, I wouldn't just vote based solely on wins above replacement, but it is a great tool to measure everything that happens on a baseball field, except one thing, all the stuff a catcher does. I don't, you know, look at, That's look a at good Yachty's wins above replacement and tell me that for a catcher, That's a metric that measures his career. And I think the same is true of Joe Maurer.
1: It's also why Buster Posey, I think, is going to eventually be a first ballot guy, too. Is
2: he going to be a first ballot guy? I don't know. Here's another guy who, I mean, he lacks the length you would ordinarily want to see, but was there a question that Buster Posey was the preeminent catcher Three. of his generation? Not Three for rings And the Three
1: fuel rings and the, and the, and the, you know, the engine behind the, those giants teams that uh, literally months after coming up in uh, 2010, you know, they win their first champion. And I wasn't all Buster, but you know, being a catcher for that pitching, that young pitching staff, that's, it's quite a thing.
2: Yeah, but he, his County numbers are not there. Yeah. You know? And he's, right. uh, he's, I, you know, like this, the stat that uh, I've used, I've already used this twice now in the two columns I've written about the Hall of Fame, and you're going to see it a lot between now and when the votes are revealed in January. The writers have not elected any hitter with fewer than two thousand hits in almost fifty years since really? Ralph Kiner wow. in 1975. So it's forty-nine elections ago. Wow! And I right, Chase Utley didn't get to two thousand, didn't even get to 1900. David Wright didn't get to two thousand, didn't even get to 1800. Buster Posey, I I, I don't know. He's have at around a, 15 or 16, is 15. I, I was just going to say, I don't think he even got to 1,600. It's but, almost one of
1: those things where, I mean, I, I feel like there's maybe a little parallel to Koufax in the sense of, not in the sense of the player uh, necessarily, but Big P decided
2: to hang it up. How, you know, how long, how low are we going to lower that hits bar? Right. Um, yeah. And then, you know, in the case of David Wright, in the case of uh, Posey, how far are we going to lower the hits and homers bar it it, it's 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 we're gonna like we're adjusting on the fly you're seeing us do it I mean Edgar Martinez would never have been elected 10 years ago look at his look at his numbers when he first came on the ballot it tells you that but we came to value what made him great and overlook or at least properly factor in the stuff that made us hesitate and that's going to be true now of all whole generation of players who don't have the longevity that we used to see.
0: All right. Now let's get to the lightning rod guys. Cause there are still a few left on the ballot, Jason. Um It always comes down to this, right? Manny Ramirez, Alex Rodriguez, and my old teammate, Gary Sheffield, all of them on the ballot. This is Chef's last year, if I'm not if I'm mistaken.
1: Oh, let's, let's not, know? let's not get into that, Mark. I know you, yeah, you I know you, you know you got stuff about Gary Sheffield.
0: I, do, but, <laughs> I mean, the, But the facts are the facts, right? You got to put certain aside.
2: Uh, where do those guys stand, Jason? Uh, well, Manny and A Rod are in a different category. Yeah, they're 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 going nowhere. They're they're going to take up space on the ballot until their time's up. Wow. Um And I, you know, I thought we'd actually we we get into a more uh, heated A Rod debate certainly at some point, but it it just it it isn't happening. You know, you got the thirty some percent, twenty some percent who vote for those guys, and that wheel's just spinning. It's not going up. It's not going down. It just is what it is. Uh, I think basically what we've learned, uh, and you saw this with the the last few years of Bonds and Clemens is with guys who have a clear association with PEDs, the voters have made up their mind. The people who are willing to change their minds have already done it. There's no more wiggle room. Yeah. You know, the people, There's just not enough new voters entering the process for those guys to have time to wait. For the voters, for the rest of the voters to change their minds. Okay, so they're going nowhere. Chef is different. He's 20% away. He got to 55% last year, which is kind of amazing considering where he was. But to jump 20% in that last year is almost unprecedented. Uh, Mm -hmm. I like to use last 50 years, last 40 is actually probably a better comp, but only Larry Walker has jumped by 20% in his last year to get elected. He's the only one. And Chef is tricky because everyone in his neighborhood as an offensive player is in the Hall of Fame unless he was a PED guy. Everyone, every single hitter who had a comparable career is in the Hall. His problems are, one, no matter what metric you use, one of the worst defensive players yes. we've ever seen. I'm in <laughs> <Randy> the <laughs> outfield. Talk oh, about yeah. a guy who could have been a, you know that well. better as a oh, DH yeah. right? Yeah. yeah okay. okay. So there there is that part of it. And then there is the what are we gonna do about the PED thing part? Uh obviously we we've now gotten to a point where voters are looking at his association with Balco. The right? I mean, evidence says it was just minuscule, it's surface that, stuff. He he like he's in the Mitchell report, he's in Game yeah. of Shadows. It's it's clear that something happened there. It yeah. doesn't appear, obviously, that it was something that went on for years and years and years it was a uh, um something he wandered into and got out of real quick yep. uh, kind of like Andy Pettit and the fact that he's reached 55% tells you the voters think he's different than than right. Manny you know but is he is he going to find those enough voters 20 another 20% i don't see how that's possible i don't how
0: do really the voters really look at I uh, mean, not just this, one, but the, the veterans committee will look at this. Uh, your rapport, your relationship with your teammates. I mean, obviously, Gary what All I did know team- is,
1: Mark, that it, you better not be on that veterans committee I, when Sheffield's name awesome. comes
0: up. Listen, <laughs> I did my players' ballot for Ryan Spader the other day, and I have a chef on. It. Did I have a great rapport with the guy? No. Uh, did he say something, lie, lie to Sports Illustrated about me? Yes, he did. <laughs> Nonetheless, I, I voted for him, I, but he was a bad teammate. You, you don't be that great a player and bounce around what six or eight or nine, 10 different teams. That's a, if you're a glue guy, if you're an that's important exactly right. a
2: That's a, that's yeah. a really good point. And I had, a I had an issue with chef myself over this same question. Mm-hmm. Um, when he, you know, when he talked his way off the Dodgers, yep remember that, that spring where he yeah. was, all he did was grumble complaint. about his contract. Right. And so I, 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 I was working for ESPN. I was in Dodger camp, talked to his teammates I knew how they felt. I said it on the air. Okay, they were tired of it. Yep. And uh, he, you know, he, the way he treated me after that uh, like I'm a professional. Uh, he has the right <laughs> to treat me over he wants. But it was, it was, it was bad. You know, it stays yeah. with me. Right. Yeah, and absolutely. yet, I, I vote for Gary Sheffield. Okay, yeah, that, that's two of us.
0: I
1: think, by the way, guys, I think that for both of you—that—that that, that speaks to integrity of of what you guys do because he, thats a huge deal where you you leave that stuff aside and you say, what kind of baseball player was this? Right. I I, I just, I respect I think that's a great quality.
0: This is supposed to be a museum. museum. It was a cathedral. He wouldn't even be invited to drop by and visit. It's a museum. And I I just, I don't understand why more guys don't just look at that. Because like you said, we'll circle back to the beating Jason, like you said, the hall is full of guys like that. Right. I mean, I imagine based on everything we've read, Ty Cobb was the same boy. So there's some hypocrisy involved here that's unfortunate, but you wonder if a new generation of veterans committee guys at some point, when the old vets are out and new vets come in, maybe they look at things differently for, with a Dale Murphy and what, Gary Sheffield. What point?
2: Yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. you know, what point? I, you know, they look, Bonds and Clemens, Yeah, they showed up on that veterans committee ballot last December. Right. And what happened? Yeah. Uh, they did way better with the writers than they did that was with
0: that group. I say you need to cycle out the old veterans and get into veterans who were either contemporaries or saw these guys play
2: in some capacity. Well, it's going to take a long time. It's going to take a long time, a very long time. I don't know what's going to happen in 50 years. but you
1: know. I, I just hope there's some way we get a look at some of these guys that were overlooked, uh, the guys that dropped you know, off, that should have, mm-hmm. uh, guys that were mentioned in, in well, Jason's last article.
2: You know, but, Ted Simmons was one and done. And he got elected by that. That's right. Yeah, I was uh, I was on a veterans committee that considered Ted Simmons. And we had an incredible conversation about him. I, you know, I can't really go into the specifics of it. But what I said to the group was, here's the case for Ted Simmons. Here's why I think we didn't vote for him. And what did you guys see? I had very thoughtful players in the room with me. And I, I don't I don't think there's any doubt that those players and what they thought of Ted Simmons swayed the room. Well, that's you know, great. so that can happen, Good. but those guys have to get on that ballot. And, yeah. you know, it's, yeah, hard. Right. it's getting it's it, they've reduced the errors mm-hmm. and they've reduced the number of names on the ballot. So it's now harder than ever to even appear on that ballot.
1: And that's the issue. Like, how do we get how do these guys get back, get another chance? And that's the question, right? Not everybody will. So I, right, I, we,
2: we you gotta... know, I at a baseball writers meeting one year, I brought up some of these guys and said, I think we should petition the hall. do what what the hall did back with uh what ron santo dick allen uh guys in 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 that time was that like the 80s maybe and give them a second chance uh and i got shouted down um Hmm. so that never happened and so i don't know where it's gonna come from
1: (laughs) but i don't think you're gonna see the writers do it that's a bummer that's a real bummer
0: well jason we appreciate it as always it's great to have you on this program uh wealth of knowledge we're all in the same you know, this doesn't make – this wouldn't make good radio because there's no back-and-forth argument We're all on the same page. We're, we're agreeing with, <laughs> Plenty to we talk need, to get, about, we need to get
1: Chris Russo on here. That's what we need yeah, to we'll do. Yeah, we'll get
0: somebody else on here to argue <laughs> with us. But nonetheless, uh great to have you, as always. Really super appreciated. So, on the, on the record, you think Todd Helton's getting in and Matt Holliday's a one and done?
2: I think that's what's likely to happen. Okay. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm, I'm sorry.
2: Sorry. <laughs> no, no, I mean, hey. Well,
1: hey, man, if they get the Rockies – I think the Rockies fans will be happy if they get Helton in. Get, you know they what, have and, a couple of guys in there now in the last you know, you know, five to years or whatever. Here?
0: Here's what has to happen. If Matt wants to get in, if he gets lucky enough to stay on the ballot, he needs to get Manny and Tracy Ringlesby as his campaign managers, like they did for Larry Walker, and then you'll see those numbers shoot up. Yeah, two- uh,
1: that's yeah. I'm I'll uh, get
0: Walker. Honestly,
1: <laughs> I, I, I'm going to say it again. I think Danny Evans is the single most important person uh, in the Walker campaign because um, did he write a book? Well, no, it's not just that. It's it's the the the, the there's there's a there's a there's a, there's a video uh, recorder. There's a video uh camera that needs to be put in the glass case next to Larry's uh plaque because that video camera from our little event there in uh at the Blake Street Tavern that got sent around to people he got calls from a lot of uh, you know influential people and so I think that Danny Danny was a big part of that but right, uh good. yeah I don't good know one. I don't know that that's going to happen a second time that was like I think the Larry Walker thing is a, the once one once, once in a lifetime type of deal <laughs> the way that all happened, I'm still I'm still trying yeah. to figure out all of the connections on how that'll happen but uh but
0: it was yeah. awesome. Well, we'll yep. keep our fingers crossed that Todd gets the call. Hey, Jason, thank you very much for your thanks, your Jason. Appreciate well, your well, time as well. always.
2: I uh, love talking to you guys. Always enjoy the conversation. Hope right. your holidays are great. Same, 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 to same to you.
1: Thanks again,
0: man. You got a closer? You got a Billy Wagner for us? You
1: know what? I think I think coming in after eight innings of Jason Stark is not an easy task, but I will. I it. will do my. I will give it the old college You pride. can
0: do it. You can do it. We'll be back. Manny, will wrap it up right here. Park Adjusted Rockies Podcast. Don't go anywhere. The place to catch all the big game action is at Stoney's Bar and Grill, now with four great locations, including Winter Park and the original at 11th and Lincoln. Great food, great service, and unrivaled game day atmosphere. There's no better place to watch your favorite teams in action. To find out more, check out stonysbarandgrill.com. It's always so
1: much fun to have the great Jason Stark on the podcast. As Jason pointed out in a recent article for The Athletic, Todd Helton's inevitable election to the Baseball Hall of Fame will be a very significant milestone for the Rockies organization and fans, but also for the baseball world at large. That's because while Larry Walker became the first Rockies player to be inducted at Cooperstown a few years ago, Walker played a good chunk of his career for teams other than the Rockies. Helton spent his entire 17-year career with Colorado, meaning the BBWAA will be bestowing the honor of enshrinement in the Hall of Fame upon a player who spent his whole career playing home games in the altitude of Denver. The first ones through the wall, as they say, are always bloodied. When it comes to the Rockies and the Hall of Fame, the names of those guys are Walker and Helton. Not only have they left legacies as the two greatest players in franchise history, but they will have paved the way for future Rockies candidates for Cooperstown to get a much fairer evaluation for baseball's ultimate individual honor. That leads us to the question, after Helton, who will be the next Rockies Hall of Famer? As Jason said on this week's podcast, Matt Holliday deserves some love in the balloting, but he may be one of the victims of the one-and-done 5% rule in his first year of eligibility. He was a seven-time All-Star, won a batting title, and hit 316 home runs. But as Jason mentioned, the county stats just may not be there for him to even continue on the ballot. So, who will be the next Rockies Hall of Famer? In surveying the landscape, the better question may be, Has he even been born
0: yet? Manny wraps things up and brings another episode of the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast to a successful conclusion. Our thanks to Jason Stark of The Athletic for joining us and making the case for Todd Helton and perhaps a better way to look at those who belong in the Hall of Fame. As always, thanks to you for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe.